So, today is Monday, April the 12th. My name is Frank Huerta. This is Alex Kenzie. Hello. And uh, this is the Bummer Dude Show, a show uh, that's still in the works. I don't really know what it's about. Um, I guess we should probably start today by talking about what happened in uh, Minneapolis yesterday. Hmm. Are you are you familiar with the story? Are you up to date with what's going on? I'm not. I didn't. It was off my phone like all weekend, man. Oh man. Okay. Fill me in. So, uh, should probably get the guy's name up. Uh, <laughs> there was a police involved shooting this week, this weekend, in Minneapolis, where a uh, young African American gentleman was shot dead by police uh, during a routine traffic stop. Um, oh, uh, I not heard about out this. Today, Jesus, of the body cam footage, don't they? Right, where it looks like the police officer, who by the sound of her voice sounds like a woman, shot the young man, thinking that she was tasing him. Hmm. So it looked like a accidental shooting. Um, but nonetheless, that is a uh, a young man gunned down by police, and the response, as you might imagine, was riots all up and down Minneapolis. Yeah. And they're still doing the trial right now for Chauvin, too. Yeah, so that, and that was a big point of discussion. Um, they wanted to... I guess there was a motion to get the jurors repicked based off of this event, um, oh. and they stopped it. So, um, no. Dante Wright. I just wanted to make sure I got the is guy's Dante name. or Deontay? Yeah, it's Dante. It is Dante. Uh, Twenty okay. years old. Um, so I guess they pulled terrible. him over. They ran his plates and his name, and they saw a couple of misdemeanor warrants um, for some unpaid fines. So they brought the kid out of the car. They asked him to put his hands behind his back. And he was like, so he was outside of the car on the driver's side rear door of a white sedan. And the car driver car door is still open. Right. So there's a police officer with the hands, the kid's hands behind his back. Mm -hmm. And he's face first looking at the car window driver's side rear door and as the police put his hands behind his back he rips away quickly jumps right back into the car puts the car in drive and you see the police officers a police officer in front and then the camera angle you see is the police officer behind him okay wait a minute though you you just said this was accidental but it sounds like he was trying to run from them as his hands behind his back, and then he attempts to escape police custody and go back into his car. Okay. And so at this point, he's sitting down in the driver's seat as you would sit down in the driver's seat like this. Mm -hmm. There's a police officer on this side here yep. trying to restrain him, and then there's the police officer who shot him behind that other police officer. She pulls out what is clearly a standard issue pistol for a mm -hmm. police officer in mm -hmm. her hand, okay? I, I've never shot a, a, a taser. I don't know what it feels like shoot a taser, but she's obviously like, <laughs> like this. And she, <laughs> she says in the video, I will tase you. I will tase you. And she goes, taser, taser, taser. And then pop, 
I only saw one shot. I only saw the video once. I really didn't want to see it again. But then the kid drives off and you hear the lady just go, oh my God, I shot him. I think I shot him. And that's what you hear. And he drives off and he, I think he hit another car and he ends up dying. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's an, it, obviously a tragedy. It's obviously a, a tremendously terrible event. It's, it's difficult to opine on what, what really happened. If this police officer felt that she had, uh, you know, full rights to do what she did. If she was being disingenuous about not knowing that she had a taser, that was really a gun. But nonetheless, the immediate response to it was what you might imagine. And for whatever injustice occurred yesterday to this young man, I'm not sure the response was also warranted. And that's a tricky thing to juxtapose, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, what, what has the response been? Like, that it's just police, more Mass police looting. brutality. Oh, there's been loot. Oh, I didn't know that. Mass looting, tearing down stores, ripping, yeah. ripping, ripping doors down and, and just destroying the inside of establishments in the surrounding area where the kid got shot. But what I'm wondering though is okay, so he's standing there with his hands behind his back because he's in handcuffs, like already arrested by the police, or it what does looked he... like they were about to slap him with handcuffs. So then he gets into his car like quickly and goes to drive off, or he gets into his car and he's sitting yes. there just like just no, like out. he's going. No, it was a very deliberate. I am escaping this situation. Move. Okay. Now. Okay. So yes, he's in his that, car. Yeah, that's so he starts off in the wrong. I, I I'm curious what he even got. You know what he was being stopped for. Maybe he was already in the wrong. Um, but so yeah. So I guess I he mean, had um, strike two perhaps by getting into the car. The, to flee. the mom. The mom was interviewed right after, and she said that he called her when he got pulled over. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they must have already approached him, taken his ID. And then went back to the car and that's when he called his mom because he told her that he got pulled over for um, having an air freshener in his rear view. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. That's what she said. And that's the only story I've heard so far. So, okay. Yeah. I'd be really mother, interested for that. Well, yeah. Why he was stopped, I guess. But yeah. So according to the mother, that's what happened. Right. Okay. But and once once stopped, I would say. So he stopped, and right. they run his ID, and they find warrants. Uh, misdemeanor warrants, right? Like I think, I think the total was under like three hundred and fifty dollars of fines that he had owed. Mm-hmm. And so, knowing that, or t- having that being our premise so far, as as right. what we've heard. Then they go to look what look like is arrest the kid. That's mm-hmm. what it looked like. They're putting mm-hmm. him in handcuffs because his hand was behind his back like this, right? Right. And yeah, bing, bang, boom. He he ran. So in the time that he runs, even though there's one or two cops on him, gets he doesn't really run. He just for, breaks away from the cops, or they ran away from him, or he, like he, where were the cops? He flees happened? directly into the car. He takes like a half a step and goes back into the car. 
So the car door was open. Okay. And car door the, the cop didn't stop him. It just looked, like instantly slams the door like, and the shots fired. Like the, the one officer that was had his hands behind his back was trying to tell him, you know, stop moving, freeze, show me your hands, that kind of right. deal. Right. right. Okay. The standard. Yeah. And then there was a police officer behind him. Mm-hmm. Sounded like a woman. I've not seen this person say it sounded like a woman. And then there was another police officer on the other side of the car, standing on the other side of the car. So he gets mm-hmm. back into the car. One might assume that he's trying to do some rash shit. Yeah. That's a safe assumption at that point. Or but, just to but, leave, but, but either way, main, that's still a crime to flee. reach for their weapon. Uh-huh. He reach, literally reaches for the kid to try and like make sure he doesn't do anything. And then the other officer points a weapon. And it's it, in all the chaos, it's kind of hard to determine whether or not it's a, it's a firearm. But she says, I will tase you, I will tase you. It doesn't do anything. And then says, taser, 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 pop. Shoots him. Backs up. The kid drives, and, then, and then it's that main cop and the other cop that's on the other side, and she looks at the other cop on the other side, and she goes, I think I shot him. Okay. I mean, that might not have been a hate crime based on race from what, I, as you describe it to me, but that sounds like very poor training. And the people that should be probably trained the best of those kind of people. To, I mean, if they're going to carry both a taser and a gun, they should know what the fuck's in their hand. Yes, yeah, certainly. That should be a first, that should be an instinct to not even have to think about, am I grabbing my taser or my gun? I, I assume you don't keep them on the same side uh, to help that. Um, yeah, so it would, it would, that sounds, I don't know, but it, would, it like, would probably be like a bad design flaw to keep it right next to where the gun is. Yeah. And I would have to imagine they are designed differently to know that <laughs> you are holding something that is not a fucking weapon that would kill somebody so to me that just sounds like terrible training but also it, it does i mean it sounds like he was trying to flee you know a crime scene or flee you know from being arrested which is a crime itself so it's like they got they have to react in a way but definitely not you know if they just shot him with the gun that's a whole different thing that seems like a little bit different of a thing to me but it, if if they're really just trying to tase him, that seems like a justified move and probably what they are trained to do instead of using lethal force. Um, yeah. But so, it boils down uh, to, you, know, you know, undeniably a tragedy. Yeah. I think that you could paint the picture any, any which way you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, what bothers me is that there is a strong response to recently to this sort of activity. And that response has been largely lawlessness and chaos and anarchy. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but wonder um, how much longer we could tolerate that sort of behavior also. Mm-hmm. Because one doesn't justify the other, and vice versa. Correct. And to me, it would seem to me it seem that if your gripe, if your concern, if your uh, what would drive you to act in a way to go and punish innocent people by destroying their business and looting their livelihood 
right? It would seem it would seem to me that that is a um, totally lost my train of thought. I mean, that's definitely not the solution. That that's not like a way to, in in my opinion, like really inflict change. If 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 you know if you're if you're unhappy with what's going on, kind of repeatedly, it seems. Uh, in one way or the other, you know, that's, you know, people can protest and we got to like push legislation to try to change things, but to go and destroy businesses, especially I'm not as concerned if like, you know, a Walmart's getting looted or something like that. I mean, it's not right, but it's more like the small mom and pop shops like that are getting destroyed over this. Um, but you know, and they might even be on the side of, of the whole, the whole movement, you know, but instead are, are getting just they're victims of like wrongly directed hatred i guess or or like response certainly and i think i knew where i was going with that if your if your response to to what you see as an injustice towards somebody specifically on the basis of their skin color Mm -hmm. and then the response to that is more lawlessness and more Mm -hmm. uh derogatory action then i also can't but wonder if you're not helping your cause or hurting it all the same but more so than that i i I think at least that there's been a public perception of acceptance for some of these actions or at the very least turning the other cheek turning a blind eye right to things like this and i don't think in any way that you are non-supportive of justice Mm -hmm. if you're also not supportive of the reaction to injustice as it is right now right i think i think it's got to stop now to play devil's advocate to that what would you say like you know when people use this as their response because they feel like, you know, we, we keep protesting, we keep doing these things and we keep seeing, you know, George Floyd's Breonna Taylor's. We keep seeing like our people get gunned down in the street by police repeatedly for, you know, one reason or another. Sometimes it's an injustice. Sometimes maybe, you know, just an overuse of force, sometimes an accident, but like we're protesting, we're, we're trying to change this where our, you know, so many different activists are, are pushing for a change in this war, it seems like, between like minorities and, and the police at times because their neighborhoods are over policed and, and they're thrown in jail at a ridiculous rate. What we're, we're protesting, we're trying to change all this stuff and nothing, it seems like nothing's changing. It keeps happening over and over again. Um, and it's not not even just minorities. Like it happens with you know with with white people in all kinds of places, like uh, Tony Timpa down in Florida. Um, so so what do you like? What do we? What else so are they supposed question, to do? Is your question, question what do you do? How do you yes. how do you combat it without without yeah. acting like uh, not a maniac? And not saying that I think that that is the best route, but like what 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 are the options to actually try to get any? Thing to change at that well, point. I think you, you would have to ask the question is what, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Not like what should you do, but what can you do? And what you can do, the um, about the only thing that you can do to change anything of significance mm-hmm. in this 
in this in this subject or anything else that has to do with you know how, how we are socially engineered and that is to fix your life first and to not to, to, to have the humility to know that you are incapable of large-scale social change if you are not formatting your life in the way that you see it should be mm-hmm. and that you have way more control over whether or not you are a victim of of anything then you have control over what a police force does mm-hmm. and i know a lot of people don't like to hear that that's not like a really like energizing answer but it's to me the only the only one true thing about any of this is that your world doesn't change unless you you change it yourself and that has to be the message to everybody is that you are responsible for your outcomes always. And, you know, a perfect example of this is uh, there's a story that came out today of the, one of the co-founders of BLM oh, yeah. has a ton, or if not already bought, but in, in the process of buying a bunch of very expensive homes. Mm-hmm. And, I, look, I don't have a problem with that. I think it's fantastic that somebody could start a movement so big that they could be so successful in that movement and in their personal life, except that this person hates America and is, stands against everything that is good about Western society. So to me, it, it's very hypocritical because th- the values that this person holds so dear to their heart do not coincide with the actions of purchasing a bunch of million dollar homes. I don't sure. know fuck where you live. I'm more power too. If you want to buy a bunch of million dollar homes, you have the capacity to do it. And you started something so big that you've gotten as successful as you've gotten, but I could say the same about a lot of uh, pastors as well. What if <laughs> yeah. very similar situation for real? Yeah, for sure. But like, what a fantastic, what a fantastic country where you can do that. <laughs> and then, but for you to sit there and like shit on it and right. you know, like, condemn it for being like this racist help it um no you're wrong Mm -hmm. and you're living proof of it so you know i I just you know that to me it's like you got you got to change it for yourself and you got to change it in your world and you you have to live it you have to breathe it and walk it and be it and not just you know it's so easy to just say one thing or you know rain in on a chorus so that you could shout down another, you know, another side or somebody else saying something, but it's a whole other thing to actually take stock in your life and determine if you are actually living the words that you're speaking. Mm-hmm. And that, that is hard to do. So, you know, I think it's kind of apparent when you can see that people are doing that and people are not. Sure. Yeah. I'm mean, easier for some to change uh, their everyday situations than others though, for sure. Uh, if you, you know, grow up in like a gang culture your whole life, you can't just be like, all right, peace dudes. I'm out of here. I know we've killed people together and, and fucking robbed people together and all this other stuff, but like, I'm, I'm cool. I'm gonna go get a job at like BMO Harris real quick. Um, no, <laughs> that's not that. So like, I definitely see what you're saying and, and I think you're right. Um, but I think 
there's a lot of people that due to the environment that they live in cannot uh, necessarily just be like, you know what, I'm going to do good today. Well, sure. Yes. I mean, like there, there, there's obviously tons of situations that have, have, have influenced that somebody really, you know, as much as they'd like to, you know, are inescapable. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look, man, at the end of the day, that's a choice. And whether or not they realize it as a choice or whether or not they think that they are included in this life beyond, like, above and beyond their will, who are you and I to, you know, to judge that? I, I think at the end of the day, you have to treat that as a choice. Okay. And I think that any choice, any amount of, I mean, even, you know, having freedom has consequences It's a choice. And you, you, you got to know at some point that your choices are going to lead you down a path that is, has a greater likelihood of tragedy than not. And I mean, like I, I know for sure that there's so many very specific examples of where certain choices lead people down in their lives. And at the end of the day, Mm I mean, if you're really going to try and treat everybody equal, you have to treat that choice as equally as the choice as it is, you know, somebody being a product of their environment and you got to meet it where it's at. I mean, the, the choices are the choices and, you know, okay. Now to play devil's advocate, cause I love to, and I will try to in every single episode to you cause it creates these discussions. What, I mean, you are Mr. Freedom. You, you believe in freedom at its core and that's the most, you know, that is the value, uh, that drives everything to you in the American dream, as you've described it before. Is it not these people's, anyone's freedom to, you know, do what they need to do to survive to, I mean, to loot. I mean, is it not those people's freedom to do that? Is, is it not the, the freedom to, you know, choose to sell drugs every day as, as the way that you make your money or you know, some kind of other hustle? Like, is it not their freedom to ex- do and express themselves that way? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's nobody right now stopping you, me, or anybody else from picking up the phone and calling somebody mm-hmm. and making the decision to go out and buy a bunch of drugs and then sell them, right? Sure. It'd be, there's, no, yeah. there's nobody looking at us, stopping us from doing that. Mm-hmm. You absolutely have the freedom to make that choice, but that freedom has consequences. In in the example of selling drugs, like you have the choice to go out and do that, and it, you know that the option is available to you, but you also know that if you aren't careful about it, then the consequence of that is a lot of years in prison or running into the cops mm-hmm. when you're hot or whatever. I mean, that is just what it is. So it's like, you know, you make choices and, and you live with the consequences. Sure. You know the consequences of your actions. Sure. And if you don't, then ignorance has never been an excuse. Here's what it boils down to more than anything, man. It's like, it's not about the people. You say like, even if you made the argument to me, like this, this person is in dire straits and needs to go loot. Okay, but should we accept that? 
Right. Like, are, is our is our position to be sympathetic about that, or is our position to be like, huh, you know what, that sucks that your life is in that in that situation, but at the end of the day, you are harming somebody else, and that's not okay. So right. I really, you know, could give a shit less about your situation if your choice is to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel is, you. is that is that such a is that such a horrible thing? It's like, what, where, when did the when did the standard lower to a point that we're able to? excuse like really terrible behavior in the name of the greater good. Right. Like that's never how it's been ever, ever, you know? And it's so funny. Cause it's like, perhaps, even, perhaps even, though, but like, what about been, like for the, I don't know. You can't tell me that the government doesn't do things to get like to do things mm-hmm. as they want or to sway policies. And they're probably doing bad things, but in their mind for the sake of good. Like things like that definitely happen every day. All right. So perfect example of this mm-hmm. is, I don't know if you heard about this little meeting that happened over the weekend, a bunch of lawyers and executives were brought together by this Yale professor to talk about voting rights in America. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with what happened here? No, sir. No. So there's, I don't, I don't know a ton of details, but all I know is that there was a zoom call and there was executives on this call and there were lawyers on this call and they brought together by this professor at Yale to talk about specifically what happened in Georgia, but moreover, how to combat quote unquote voter suppression in the future. I don't know if you're very hip to this voter bill in Georgia. There's been a lot of controversy on it Mm. and literally for no reason. I'm telling you, bro, it is the lamest shit I've seen in a very, very long time. As in there's not voter fraud going on or there is? There's, well, no, it has, okay. The, 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 the theory is that the reason that this bill was put into place is because there was v- voter fraud in this previous election, right? And you have a lot of people that are going to tell you there was no concrete cases. Nothing was proven for fraud, all right? Mm-hmm. So you got to you got to take that for what it is, but that's not why they created this bill. They created this bill because, regardless of the findings of this past election, the openness of this past election was unprecedented, mm-hmm. and they did it under the guise of COVID. Which, fine, you know, whatever you want to keep people safe, I'm not mad about it. But essentially, all they did was close these things that were open for this 2020 election. Now, what either side isn't telling you, right? The reason that the left is mad at the, or is upset at this is because it's a, it's a matter of you being able to vote versus the vote being brought to you, right? That's the difference in what just happened. So in 2020, okay. they just what? mailed out ballots. Why, why is, okay. Why is it the bad that list, more people get to participate? Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. But why okay. is it bad that more people have a chance to participate in like what affects them every day? Well, here, okay, let me explain and then, and then maybe it'll answer your question. Mm-hmm. So that's how it was in the previous election. You, you got the ballot. You could put it in any one drop box. You could, you had all these days to do whatever you wanted. Okay. Yeah. And then you could go vote on, on uh, election day and you had the ability to registered to vote, I think up until the day of election or maybe the day before. Okay. So that were, that was, that was what it was before just for this past year. And this new bill basically says, okay, 
you want to have as much chance as you can to vote. So we're going to give you 17 days to vote. 17 days. Okay. Okay. 17 days is what you have to vote. Okay. You need, if you want to mail in your ballot, you have to sign up for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in order for that vote to get counted, you have to have some form of ID. And you might say, okay, well, there's a lot of people that don't have an ID or don't have access to it. Okay, cool. You don't need an ID. You just need the last four of your social. When, if you don't have a social security number, then you could give them like a water bill, anything that has your name and address. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all you have to do to prove it. And what the argument is, is that historically having just that barrier to voting just that little one this is not even a barrier it's just an authentication just having that has been proven to lessen the voter turnout and that always hurts the democrats always just okay? having a so, just, just having a social security number little tiny action okay it's okay. an open secret everybody knows it so okay. what democrats are trying to say is they're trying to suppress the vote because it's going to lessen the vote of Democrat voters, particularly those of minority, of their minority. So they're saying that it's suppressing a minority vote. And it is, it's not like choking down on the minority vote, but that action historically has shown that less minorities will turn out. And what the right is saying is we want to shore up the vote. We want to make sure that there's no avenue for fraud there's no right you're not allowing for the opportunity to happen which i, I tend to agree with mm-hmm. so but, but but that's that's the motivation of each side and you know you were saying like how do you not know that like politicians or people with a lot more money than you and i are you know not up to no good and kind of like making things shittier for other people well if you have if you have a bunch of executives for corporations and their lawyers in a meeting with the ex- explicit purpose to combat this kind of thing and do it under the name of voter suppression and then you can convince a bunch of soft-headed people that there's voter suppression you know mm-hmm. that to me is as dangerous as anything right but i think it you know i think it all boils down to the same thing man like Like regardless of what it is that you feel there's an like there is an injustice about, you have you have to look inside yourself first. If you're not doing that, then you're not helping out anybody, particularly yourself. And then you're just gonna be really angry when you're shouting at the rooftops for something and it and it doesn't happen. And you're like, well, I said it loud enough and I put all this shit up and I had my black square and there's still stuff going on. It's like, well, what are you doing in your life to make this shit happen? Because your impact on your family and your community is way greater than whatever your impact is on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or what have you, or mm-hmm. being upset at the system that is railing against one person or another. To me, that is just a waste of breath, honestly. You, you, got, you got to do it for your own self. So, it's a fair point, Frank. It's a very fair point. Anyways, there's been some, some heavy topics. 
through lighter <laughs> news. Yeah. Um, some very cool things happened in sports over the weekend. Mm. Started with a one Joe Musgrove from the San Diego Padres. So the first no-hitter in Padres history. This team's been around since 1960. That's They've insane. never won a World Series, and they never won, or they never threw a no-hitter. And they barely hit for their first cycle, like in 2015. Dumbass Matt Kemp did it. Wow. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Wow. It, was, it was good times, dude. It was really good times to see it. I, uh, I was out to dinner with my lady, and uh, I knew the Padre game was going on, but I had, I had no clue that there was a no-hitter going on. And uh, I get a text from my dad, and he texts me and my brother, and he goes, you watching this shit? My first thought was no-hitter. And I looked up the ESPN app, and I seen uh, bottom nine, one out, no hits. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Wow. I raced to my phone, and it turned the game on. I saw last two outs. It was incredible, man. And the guy is from San Diego, which is really cool. He's from East County. Oh, yeah, I didn't he's know from that. Area. And even wow. even cooler, it gets way cooler. Um, his family owns like a little coffee cart thing, like where he grew up, mm. and it's just been getting blown up since he threw that no hitter. People <laughs> driving by in lines and droves. Dude can't wait to buy coffee from the Musgroves. It's fantastic, man. It's yeah. Such a cool story. Um, so that happened. Um, there's the dirtiest seven ten split I ever seen in my life. Mm. Mm. And uh, Hideki Matsuyama uh, won the Masters. That's amazing, so, bro! First Japanese winner. That, great? that was amazing. <sighs> yeah, man. Um, another hometown uh, kid, Xander Shoffley, was there in the in the hunt. Man, I, I know you didn't watch Sunday, so he was <sighs> up. Uh, that, yeah. He went. I think he went like even part of the first nine holes, and then he he rallied off six birdies in a row, bro. He was on. Fire. Damn. Was At Augusta, too. That's ridiculous. That's fucking ridiculous. What's At Augusta. That? At Augusta. That's insane. Yeah, dude, on Sunday, man. Yeah, I know. You know, he's just feeling it. He's just feeling it. Yeah. And then uh, on 16, he finds water, dude. Just fucking just <sighs> lost it. He lost all his confidence, everything. You could just yeah. tell he was completely deflated. <laughs> if he pars that, I think he I think he wins a tournament based off the rest of the holes that he played. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, it was Hideki. Man, I, I in my master's pool I had John Rahm and he was fucking dead even through like the first three days and then he finished like six under. But it's like where the where were all those birdies in like your other three rounds, bro? Like come Dude, on, I know. I know. <laughs> I finished it, second in the pool because of that. I'm like it Fuck. was crazy. It was crazy. Um, I don't know if you ever heard that Brooks Kepka quote, but it's so funny to watch the Masters and it, he 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 said he he likes playing the Masters. Because, or he likes playing in majors because he said a lot of people just put like a ton of pressure on themselves. So you can like count out like, I don't know, 50% of the field. Mm. He's like, I just, you know, he just knows that they're going to, they're just not going to cut it. And then he goes, there's another 25% who I know I'm just going to beat anyway. Basically just like flexing that. <laughs> and he goes, that leaves just like 10 or 12 guys that I'm playing against. And if I can just beat them, then I'm in. Yeah, and it was so funny to watch because dude, it played out exactly like he said during the Masters. That first day, dude, so many good players played themselves out of contention because they just like just yeah. run up the pressure on their. And the second day too, Justin or Dustin played. You know, that's the champion. That's the defending champion. He didn't even make the cut. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was Kevin Kisner 
he, he goes, um, he goes, I feel bad for the people who played this tournament for the first time last November, because I bet they're out here right now wondering what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Cause, Cause I guess, you know, I guess in, in the, in the fall, it was colder and I guess it played a lot easier or something, but, um, oh, yeah, gotcha. it was a beast. It was a beast out there, man. Can you explain to me why on the, what about the first day? Like everyone was saying, it's so hard. It's so hard. What, what was it about? Like that the, the greens just hadn't been played on for so long cause they preserved them. So they were just com- compact or what is it that was going on there? Well, there's, there's a lot more manipulation on a golf course than people see that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so like with the greens, for example, you, you cut them and you roll them, right? The more mm-hmm. times you roll them, the harder they get, the more compact they get. Mm-hmm. The, it, the amount you water them, all of that determines how they play. So it's basically the committee at Augusta determining how they want the tournament to play out on the days that it does. And so as you saw Monday, it was almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And then, or sorry, uh, Thursday, almost impossible. And then Friday, people were lighting it up. Yeah. Right. So the condition changed a bunch. They probably watered the green more. They rolled it less and they made it more gettable. So um, it's just how they how they want to set it up, how the course is. It's just all it's all like variables. It's all flowing. I was talking to Jacqueline about this yesterday. It's um, having a good greenskeeper that's worth the salt is worth so much money. Yeah. Worth so much money to have a, a, a good greenskeeper because it's such a tough thing to do. That's really interesting. Yeah. That'd be a fun job, wouldn't it? Be a greenskeeper? <laughs> Dude, I there I was actually recently searching and there is a course here hiring, but you need so many like certifications and like yeah, fertilization sure. degrees, like like certifications, I mean. Um, but that would be such a cool job, bro. And I'm sure you you know you're playing for free, <laughs> which would be amazing. Yeah, man. I gotta imagine like their job's done by, you know. 11 a.m., 12 noon at the, at the latest. Damn, you're probably getting up at like three or four. Definitely, you have to. <laughs> Got to do it. But see, that's so. Uh, see, that's what to me. That's what would be so cool about it. It's like being on the golf course at that time. Like you're like the the architect. You know, like you're the, yeah. the mad the mad scientist, the wizard. Yeah, Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray was the assistant greenskeeper. <laughs> But he lived there, so you know that motherfucker was up at like two a.m. doing shit. That's what I'm saying. Hunting for gophers. <laughs> oh man. So I, I thought I like pulled up uh, as this being like our first one. We want to let some people you know get to know us a little bit. I pulled up a couple like ice breaker questions. Thought I'd ask you some questions about yourself and see what you think. It's like on my first date. That's literally. <laughs> Literally, uh, uh, this is a list of different things to talk about. And some of the ones I was pulling for was conversations for dates, deep conversation starters and conversation starters for couples. So that's how I feel about uh, this. You can have me already. (laughs) This is wasted effort. So the first one, how do you think you will die? I don't know, man. I want to ask that question. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. How do I think I'll die? Yeah, um, if you had to take a guess, what do you, what do you think? Tragic car accident. You think so? Yeah. Tragic man. car accident. I'm the passenger. 
You're the passenger. Yeah. So you have no, you have zero control. Yep. Oh. That's what it's going to be. Okay. I've often thought car crash, um, just because I'm dumb and maybe I, I try to pay attention. I do a lot of times, but some, do you ever like drive and you're like, Whoa, I don't remember going through that light. No. <laughs> never. I've done that a couple times with a stop sign, but never a stoplight. Dude, I swear to God, I've gone through, and, and probably because it's just like I'm going with the flow of traffic, but like there's been times I've gone through like intersections like, whoa, I don't, like I probably was cognizant like when I was driving, but like maybe it's because I smoked too much weed or what, like short-term memory. I don't remember that intersection at all. Wow. Yeah, not, not a great, not great. Um probably shouldn't say that on here i get like my license suspended or something but uh so i've always thought that um for sure but i feel like cancer i feel like cancer for sure because it runs in my like family with most everyone so i feel like at some point it's gonna happen but we'll cancer see. huh i feel like we'll that see. that would yeah that would suck cancer would suck i feel like that'd be like the worst way yeah because it's for like sure. drawn out probably unless it's like eh, stage four next week yeah i don't want to know yeah, I mean, I would, I would much rather be sudden than like yes. an onset. Yes. I'm just like, huh. Yes. Yes. Preferably like wanna, in my sleep when I'm like late 80s, 90s. That's so like, a good life. You're probably yeah. starting to break down by then, and it's like going your sleep. You're like, all right, cool. <laughs> it's just nothing. Whatever. Right. Yeah, that's weird because I would never, I would never want to like fight for my life. Mm. Like you know zombie, I mean? like apocalypse style. Like no, no, dude, apocalypse. I'm down for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, give me a 12 gauge. I'm shooting. I was just telling this to Zach yesterday because Patrick was saying he didn't want to do that because he didn't he didn't want to uh, have to like shooting his family. I like, dude, I'll fuck. I'll shoot my uncle right right between his eyes <laughs> if he's a fucking zombie. Yeah, fuck I'll bet too. I'll do it to my sister. I don't give a shit. Are you kidding me? Because here's why: if you you would if it were you, you would want them to do the same thing. Yeah, right. That's dude, not your sister at that point. That's kill me. Kill me. End it right there. No, yeah. that would be, dude, I would be so down for sure. I think, I think Pat would do pretty well in a zombie apocalypse, though, because he's like strong, small, quick. He'd be all right. If he could figure out how to shoot a gun, he'd be all right. I would just need the ammunition, but I, I'm down yeah. for that. No, but I mean, like, I don't want to be like on a hospital bed just for like going through hell. Yeah. Yeah. To live. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying I'm a quitter neither. I would just say like that situation would probably be the worst way to die. Yeah. That's why like I would agree with like assisted suicide. Like I feel like that's like that's a personal choice. Like if you want to do that, like there should be avenues to do that in those situations. Like I don't want to live a fucking four months of fucking hell every single day. Like that's your choice to make. Like why why should any fucking government like anyone be able to tell you what you want to do? <laughs> like in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, um, and if you're gonna do it, you should be able to do it like professionally with someone that knows. You know, hey, this is how you do it the right way. This will be the least painful way. You don't need to fucking take a shotgun to your face or you know whatever. Like, this is the so simple way. We even can do if it. you're like 25 years old and you're just like, I just want to end it. Uh, I mean, there should probably be stipulations where you can like prove like this is stage four cancer, or you know, like some this uh, is this, not just like you can go and kill yourself whenever you want. Like you I don't have to like you don't have to like wait it out to the bitter end. Yeah, I would just think it'd be like regulated somehow where it's like, okay, you are you've been diagnosed with a disease that is incurable and will kill you in the next X months. 
yeah. if you want to like do like a some form of like a lethal injection why not you can just fall asleep and and you're gone instead of five months of fucking hell and then you're gone why not that's a personal choice not like you have to do it but like why not yeah i can't see i can't find a, a decent argument against that i it, it, it would be hard to like Because, you know, I don't know. It's like, who's the arbiter of that truth? What are the criteria? You know? No, like, yeah, for sure. Like, there, there would have like, to be criteria, like, for sure. The, what, do you, I mean, do you have to be of sound mind? And if you got, like, terminal cancer, I don't know, maybe you're thinking straight, maybe you're not. It's just it's just kind of tricky. Like, do you, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of it's it's tricky. It's It's a weird thing. Uh, but I don't have an argument against it. I think it, I think you should be able to if you if you just if you know what your options are and you're fully aware of it and you're just like yeah, dude, I'm done. I'm done. yeah, and they can regulate that. it. Like you need so to have your down. family's approval. All your next of kin is okay with it or something like that. Like where like where anything with not sound mind could play into it. If your next of kin's like equally on like also on board, yeah, you could also yeah. I mean I don't know. I'm sure different states have different laws, but I'm sure you can give like power attorney to like your wife or some shit and she's like listen she she's gonna make the decision and i've told her what i want so here's here's what's gonna happen and uh yeah i don't know I, yeah i don't know man it's, it's, know. It's, it's, it's just interesting it's just interesting about so there is many states that allow it actually uh, I believe um, it. California, Colorado, D.C., Hawaii, Maine, Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. So a lot of them have like death with with dignity laws, is what they define death as. Death with dignity. Yeah. Huh. That's I didn't realize it was in that many places. To be honest with you, I thought maybe it was a couple states, but like a like a Oregon, Washington kind of thing. Yeah. But they're both on this list. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right, right on. I, I, don't, I don't see, I don't see much problem with it at all. Two physicians must confirm the patient's residency, residency diagnosis, prognosis, mental competence, and voluntaries of the request. Two waiting periods: the first between the first initial request, the second between receiving and filling the prescription. Okay, for sure. So, a doctors uh, two involved. Doctors. Two doctors. Two doctors, two independent doctors. That's, I mean, who else would you want? Do no harm, right? That's that's the creed. Yeah, I like I'm that. That's nice. That's a pretty good re regulation. Yeah, I can get behind it. All right, next one. A little bit brighter. What is the biggest risk you've ever taken? That okay? That you could speak on here. <laughs> I mean, I'll speak on it. Whatever. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> no idea. I'm going to have to rack my brain. The biggest risk I've ever taken. Yeah. Take a lot of risk. Yeah, that's... Dude, I couldn't even... I, cu I couldn't even... Uh... I can tell you mine's moving from Toledo moving to from, Chicago. Right on. I guess I, I could say... I guess I could say that about moving to Ohio. Yeah. That I really took a, interesting choice, too, from California to Ohio. Really... I get it. It was for college football. Totally good call. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's, it's funny, man. Looking back, I can't even, I can't even remember how it felt, but I just knew that I didn't know anything else. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't even know that. I just, I knew that I wanted to experience something else. Mm. I only know what I'd known. Yep. And, uh, yeah, man, it's wild. It's wild. The, the bubble that we live in in San Diego, it's like an unprecedented place. Take it for granted so much. It just doesn't exist almost anywhere in the world. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people aren't cognizant of like the bubbles they live in until they really move like to another place. And like you're, you're, you're the way you look at things and the people you interact, like it's just so different, man. And even for, I'm from one Midwest town to another, like it's really probably not even that different compared to if I went out West to LA or went out East to New York, like fucking totally different there. But like just the people you're around, the ideals, the thoughts, the kind of shit you do. I don't know. It's just, it's so interesting how you can just get stuck in like that same monotonous routine. Yeah, no doubt. And it was great. It was great experience, even though, even though like the Midwest is like real slow mm-hmm. and I'm not saying they're all stupid. That's how I took it. They, they are, but <laughs> it's just, it's just the way of life. It's just like lulled. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it's because you're just getting blasted with seasons all the time and you just always on the counter attack. But, um, but yeah, it's just different. And then out here, you know, it's outdoors 365, 24 Mm seven. So it's just the way of life is just, it's beyond, beyond what you see anywhere, dude. Like it's not, it's still a city and it's still got all the shit that you see in the city, but it's just, uh, I don't know, man. I was really happy to live that way of life in the Midwest for a while, because honestly, that's the majority of the country. But what, what do you, what did you notice in particular between the time? Or how long did you live in the Midwest for? Five years. So in the five years you spent there and in the 25 you spent in San Diego, and San Jose and West Coast. What what is the biggest difference in the people to you? They're um, they're like way less concerned with themselves. Totally, <laughs> like, people in the Midwest are yes, yeah. like like people particularly in, in Southern California are very concerned with themselves. Mm. It's very egocentric, very status driven. Um, you know, it's like the land of the influencer, you know what I'm saying? And that exists a lot of other places, but it's dense out here (laughs) and it's, it's, you know, it's not all people, particularly in San Diego, you know, a lot of people are laid back out here, but, um, more up in LA probably. Yeah, LA and just like just in general, I think people are just like a lot more cognizant of like their status. Whereas in the Midwest, it doesn't matter at all. Like it's way more character driven. It's way more like the person you are, like, you know, having having respect for, you know, I guess like I don't know. Also a lot more, um, like, how do you want to explain it? I don't want to say poverty because it's not poverty. In the Midwest? In the Midwest. It's a lot more, um, like, upkept. In the Midwest? 
compared yeah. to the West Coast. You think so? Yeah, like, Man. well, first of all, things are older. Um, and yeah. I don't know, man. Like, like I guess, I guess it, it, if I had to like put it in a phrase, it'd be like the Rust Belt, you know, like kind of like a forgotten place a little bit. It's the life is kind of, yeah, been drained out of it a little bit. And so, yeah, people I mean, the automotive kind of, industry used to drive that yeah. the whole Midwest. People are more existing out in the Midwest. They're more just kind of like all kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. All like in the same tradition. Everybody kind of stays put and just does their own thing. Um, but they're also like, I don't know. They're like some of the best people I've ever met too. Yeah. Yeah. At, this, at the very same time, there's like nothing bad to say about anybody from the Midwest. Easier to trust someone from the Midwest than from uh, West or East Coast, what do you say? I don't know if you're a trustworthy person. I think that I think that's standard wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um I feel like I've met more genuine people in the Midwest than I have even living like in, in a like a larger metropolitan like Chicago. I, um, I and then, then the that. things that I, I hear in like LA that. and people stuff are too. way more secure in themselves and like genuine doesn't but it doesn't matter who they are they're just they're true in themselves that is that is a fair statement but i also feel like there's like a cyclical thing of like especially like all all through the midwest but it's like a lot of like the same shit all the time like you get into like routines like it's like I, i go home to toledo and it's like what are we doing today it's like you call any group of friends it's like probably going to a bar (laughs) You know, probably like otherwise, like what, I'm going to go to the mall. Like I, there's like a, a cyclical nature of just like not much going on. It feels like I, I, there's like, a lack there's of events and culture. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just kind of you go, get, you go, go drink and let's go get fucked up somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Everything, everything is like, there's nothing like what, like if somebody goes like, Hey, what do you got to try in Toledo? Where do you, where do you tell them to go? Yeah. <laughs> You tell them to go to Rudy's, aka the snack bar at your little league. <laughs> I fuck with you know Rudy's. Like, I fuck with Rudy's because like or like you tell them to go to Tony Paco's. It's, like, it's yeah. like, hey, go, go have a couple of diarrhea dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, You're like, hating on Toledo Wieners right now, bro. Well, I'm, 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 all, I'm, all I'm saying is, it's like that's that's what the offering is. And I, but I tell you what, hold on, I, I'm I'm speaking out of turn because Toledo actually has. Um, some some decent places to eat. Yeah, sure, like, they for sure do. Oh yeah. But, but I think it's overwhelmingly like uh like chain things. Or if at the very least it's not anything you wouldn't find like anywhere else. True. Yeah. Kind of yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can't like think of like one restaurant, like Toledo restaurant that I'm like, whoa. That's but, like, like also a staple, like, um, I guess what's that place home slice home slice is yeah it's pretty good are you familiar with home slice oh yeah my dad yeah my dad used to play there oh really mm-hmm. yeah dude they have this uh potato bacon pizza i'll put that up against any pizza anywhere that any pizza incredible any pizza anywhere though come on. any pizza anywhere come on, it's incredible gino's, uh, gino's pepperoni find me a better pepperoni bro gino's they do something real special with that sauce i mean it's brown sugar it's it's brown sugar in the sauce but it's special whatever it's a good it whatever ratio they're doing it's it's good it is good I, it, it's it's great but yeah i guess I, I don't think of like a i don't know i'm trying to think like i guess you're right paco's rudy's 
most otherwise it's like chains like one of the best places is like a jay alexander's but yeah, also like, i haven't lived there in like nine years so i'm probably out of tune of like the toledo culture there, there are sure. some places that are exceptionally good um mediterranean wise too especially I, I couldn't even i could i could take you somewhere i couldn't even cover like san diego restaurant scene in a week if you ate breakfast lunch and dinner oh yeah so your, your like, guys' food is ridiculous, man. And same yeah, I mean, here, there's a, you can go find whatever the fuck you want in Chicago. Oh, Any, yeah, anything Chicago's you want, you can go get food. Chinese food, Mexican food, soul food, fucking Cuban food, like whatever the fuck you want. Indian food, it's all here. And Jamaican it's fucking, food. It's, I mean, most places are pretty fucking good because the real estate yeah. is so expensive that if you're not good, how the fuck are you going to operate a, a place there? Yeah, no doubt. So... I don't know. Um, all right. Let me see here. One more. Um, what book had a big influence on you, Frank Huerta? I don't know. I was illiterate until I was like seven. <laughs> um, Oh, you know what's a good book that had a great impact on me? Sapiens. You ever read that book, Sapiens? Mm -mm. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that uh, have a problem with it, and I and I, I can understand the holes you can poke in it. But essentially, what the, what the, what this dude does is he just takes he takes the the known and the theorized history of Homo sapiens, basically putting the pieces together of what we know from what has been recorded about our species and the way that we've evolved. It's very, very cool. It's like a, it's like a third person view of humans throughout oh. their history. Yeah, no, man, it's pretty cool. It's an introspective that. kind of book. It's pretty neat. Um, it, it explains sort of uh, where we are today as like an inevitability based off of the actions of us previously. Hmm. Um, it talks about farming and plants in terms of like um like i guess like the short message would be if um we would say that we like domesticated plants but like in reality plants like domesticated us and like we've grown to be like slaves of food and mm. we've structured everything around how we get food in our bellies um, it's, it's a pretty, it's just a pretty interesting look, but a lot of people poke holes in it and they talk about, they basically talk about capitalism as like an inevitability, like the, the ability to trade and barter freely as being like, like a pioneer in conquest of humans forever. Mm -hmm. And it's just grown as like an organic part of human interaction instead of like, some theorized uh economic model or system for a nation so it's it's a very interesting book it's a long read though called sapiens sapiens okay yeah very interesting very thought-provoking yeah i definitely want to check that out what about you man okay so i don't read a ton of books i used to when i was younger uh all the time but then it's like fucking aragon harry potter fucking all these you know different books like that um Lord of the Rings, um, which I, you know, great, great 
stuff. But uh, as far as a book that like I read that I really, I don't, I would say one would be, and I haven't ever actually finished it, um, but it'd be Don Quixote by Miguel Cervantes. Um, I just love that whole, I don't know, just the way it's written. And like, I, it was like my favorite movie as a kid, like when I was really little. Was the movie uh, Don Quixote? Man of La Mancha, man. Yeah, with, uh, I think it's Peter O'Toole. Um, I just I've never I seen it. I never it, read the book neither. Really? Uh, isn't it like the oldest uh, novel ever? I don't even know. Maybe. I don't I think know. It's, it's, I think it's like the first novel ever made. Novel? Hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the premise, and I won't give it anything away, but he is an old man with like dementia, basically, thinking that he is like this knight in shining armor and it's like about his life and his adventures and like the last few months of his life um and like what he sees playing out in his head and what's like really going on i don't and it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting it's really it's fucking huge you know small yeah. ass text and big ass book uh i've never honestly like i said i never finished it but like that that movie growing up was uh always like my favorite like one of the first memories i really have is like dressing up to that movie watching it and like singing the songs and shit like that so that movie um and then or that book uh but also uh i read this biography uh about tupac and it's called tupac shakur the life and times of an american icon and it's short read like it's 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 not that that big or anything but it was really really interesting and i've always been super interested in him and his life and and just the way he moved around and, and came up and like became this force in a way um and, and got like bigger than himself uh but like it's really interesting to like learn about him and and all of that and and like that whole obviously they go on like somewhat of a timeline approach to it um but like not only are you learning about him but like some of the chapters uh and it kind of goes back and forth sometimes will like teach you about tupac and his life and what he was going through and then like a whole chapter on just like what was going on in the world in the late 80s like mm -hmm. this is how it was in Baltimore or New York or, you know, and then he moved to, I think like San Fran. Um, and it just like tells you kind of like about the landscape that he grew up in and like how it shaped him kind of a thing. And it like back and forth, um, really interesting and really well Damn. written. Um, definitely, definitely would recommend. That's what's up, man. I'll check it out. I love Tupac. Okay, cool. Like, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, we're going to try to do these as often as possible and kind of change it up with different things. You know, we'll see you tomorrow.